You're listening to. You're listening to. The Homo Homie Podcast. Representing, educating, and unifying our queer comunidad. Also, a gig craft course 101 for the hetero. I'm your host, Eric V. And I'm your co host, Jose Resendez. A fun kickback podcast for all our Homo Homies and Raza. We invite you to download, stream, and share to, to find out what's, what's good in the hood. And welcome to another episode of the Homo Homie Podcast. I'm your host, Eric V, also known as the Homo Homie. And please welcome my co-host, Jose Resendez. Hey, what up, what up, what up, what up? Hi, girl. How you doing? I'm doing good, bro. Oh, excuse bro, me. Bro. Excuse me, bro. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> uh, before we start our episode, I just wanted to say happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jose. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to that. <laughs> okay, shoot. Well, it was it was on February sixteenth, right? Don't be putting my birthday out there like that. Yes, well, because you, <laughs> why? Because you're eighty four years old. <laughs> eighty four years old. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to use that all day. I was like, yes, she's eighty four. Oh, my old. joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking about eighty four years old, um, we're not only celebrating your birthday, but we're also celebrating Black History Month, and that always falls on February each year, and it's in recognition of Black excellence, and we wanted to recognize the lgbtq plus black excellence that's out there and we wanted to bring inclusion awareness and you know celebrate it but just not this month like 365 days out of the year right yes like mcdonald's you know mcdonald's does that right their their black history month campaign <laughs> so is like 365 yeah um <clears throat> because it's true it, that also happens with like pride month you know like all these people and organizations and brands, they want to celebrate all this pride during Pride Month and then they disappear after the month is over. Exactly. Well, look at uh, in October, Latinx History Month. Is it? Is it like the end of September and beginning of October? It's September 15th through October 15th. Yeah. So it's kind of like that that middle month of, of two months. But I mean, this once it's there, they celebrate it and then they bounce right after it's done. So it's crazy how that happens. It should be celebrated every day. Yeah, but it's also at the same time, it's also nice to have a moment in the year where you focus your attention to that group or that 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 niche audience and um you know really just shine a light on on, on them uh, yeah. because it's nice it's nice to be celebrated it's nice to pay homage and, and and do tributes and and whatnot yeah exactly and that's why we started this whole podcast for the reason um you know we're trying to elevate the voices of the qtpoc community and just bring diversity to the melanin spectrum and um you know, like speaking about diversity and uh, recognizing the history, we wanted to uh, throw out some names um, who are part of the Black LGBTQ community. And it's from a news article that I uh, found from uh, NBC. And we'll put the link in our description so you can look for it. But um, Marsha P. Johnson was uh, one of the influences of LGBTQ Black history. Bayard Rustin, um, Stormy Delivery. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. And you know, history will always continue to have more and more additions and people will always be making, you know, an impact in history like RuPaul, 
with her RuPaul's Drag Race or Billy Porter and the entire cast of Pose. They have been killing it. Uh, Daryl Stevens, our boy from Noah's Ark. Uh, just, you know, there's so many black, ex- so much black excellence out there. Uh, Laverne Cox, mm-hmm. you know, um, so many of my favorite drag queens from all these shows have been black. And I know that we have two special ones that are coming up in this episode. Uh, yeah. So for decades, black drag queens have actually faced limited opportunities. They get this negative media coverage. There's always these stereotypical labels mm-hmm. and racial slurs that they have to put up with. And within our queer community in general, black people are often marginalized and oppressed at greater rates. For example, Uh, violence, violence against black trans women has increased year after year, you know, and that has to stop. It's just sad. And our guests for this episode are paving the way, sprinkling black girl magic and expressing as they do their thing in entertainment media. So first up, we'll have Calypso Jete Balmain from the House of Balmain, voice actor on HBO Max's Veneno. But y'all might know her as season one winner of HBO Max's Legendary... And we'll also have our girl Kendra, Kendra Onyx from the House of Gorgeous. And you all know her from the Boulet Brothers Dragula season two. And she was also in the Resurrection special that they did. Uh, and I believe season two is now on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And that's gorgeous, honey. <laughs> I love when people like emphasize names. It's so cute, you know? So yeah, they're going to be sharing a little bit about their journey as Black queer individuals, making their mark in their rising career, and share who inspires and motivates them. And so before we uh, continue on with our guests... We're going to take a little break, and this break is brought to you by BetterHelp. So please take a listen and uh, check it out. We have a pop quiz. Can you all guess what our most requested topic of conversation is? That's easy. For some reason, it's always about mental health, therapy, counseling, or some form of help that our listeners need out there. For some reason? Girl, we're all going through some form of anxiety. That's why... Such as dealing with depression, stress, sexual identity, weariness, loneliness, thoughts of suicide, and the list goes on and on. Well, good news. That's why I'm glad that we partnered with BetterHelp. Yes! BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online and available worldwide. Ooh, you can start communicating in under 48 hours. You can log into your account at any time and send a message to your counselor whenever you need them. It's all virtual, so you don't have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. And it's also more affordable than traditional offline counseling because, you know, that thing be expensive Mm -hmm. and financial aid is available. So visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. I was reading some reviews and taking the intro survey on their mobile app. And it's pretty cool that you can be matched with a licensed counselor that specializes in LGBT issues or one that identifies as LGBT themselves. So visit BetterHelp.com backslash homohomie. That's BetterHelp.com backslash Homo homie. And join over the 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. We're so happy that the Homo Homie podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and that all of our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com backslash Homo Homie. So save some coins, use our little code Homo Homie, and tell them we sent you. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Homo Homie podcast. 
back from the break and we are ready to take the runway and get crazy and get some tens across the board and shablam for our life because we have a special guest for you, baby. The one and only Calypso Jete. Hey, welcome. How you guys? How you guys doing? Good. How are you? Um, you know, honestly, I'm doing amazing. I mean, life couldn't be, you know, any better right now. I'm alive, so that's the biggest thing. So exactly. And uh, before we begin our, our interview, like, uh, what pronouns do you uh, prefer to go by? I go by she, her, or Miss Bang. <laughs> uh, you can do that, or you can be I am that bitch, whatever. You know. <laughs> yes. So for our listeners, um, Calypso Jete was actually our very first guest for the podcast. And um, it was my first interview. It was Jose's first interview. It was everybody's first. We all got our podcast cherries popped. So, so, so um, it was actually really fun. You know, like it was just, it's crazy how much you have evolved since then. You know, we, we never got the chance to air it, unfortunately. Right, Jose? Yeah, I remember we were talking about like reshooting it and then like just things got out of hand with the club. Uh, but I do remember us filming that and we were all like newbies. So we sucked. Like I listened to the audio and I'm like, oh my God, we're awful at podcasting. <laughs> so Calypso, I know we're going to get into like you being on HBO, like all over HBO because you've been on Legendary and you've also been on Veneno. Uh, as a voice actor. Uh, but before we get into that, tell us a little bit about your backstory about growing up and now, you know, making a name for yourself, maybe share a little bit about your family life. How, how was that growing up? Um, and wh- where are you from originally? Okay, well, I'm 27 years old. I'm originally from Reno Valley, California. Um, that's the Inland Empire. I grew up in a very old school traditional Baptist household. I grew up my grandparents my whole life. Um, with that being said, going through life, um, things were pretty, you know, um, different, uh, especially with sexuality. Like expressing my sexuality wasn't really the um, biggest thing I could do because I grew up in the church. I was literally like born in the church. Like my mom had labeled me in the church and then I was in church six out of seven days of the week, literally after school, I was like at church and I was always involved in doing stuff at the church. So being a Baptist Christian and, you know, the views of um, sexuality and Christianity, you know, they kind of, you know, conflict. Um, So me, I had to express myself in other ways, um, like through school, through dance, through musical theater, through acting. Um, so a lot of the like extracurricular activities I took at school were ways, you know, I could like express my freedom. And growing up, elementary school through high school, I went to school with pretty much the same people. But like most of my time, like when I first had like expressed my femininity, my friends were like, oh, you know, like we accept you. And like at school, people were very, you know, Accepting. I mean, I had that occasional, you're gay, but like when I was in elementary school to like middle school, I didn't know what that meant until I got to middle school and I saw like, I met this boy named Christopher Micus and he was like a homosexual, but he was like, girl, like he's giving me all that. And they were like, you're like him. And I was like, I'm not like him. Cause he was giving like the hands and the everything. The full unicorn girl. <laughs> Baby, he was giving the tea and I said, I'm not. <laughs> I can't, I can't, and that was my first, you know, insight on being a a homosexual. When it went down from there, middle school, I was dating girls um, just to try it out, but 
I never had no connection to them. And then in high school, I dated my first guy. And I felt normal, like used to it. After that, halfway through high school, I got put into this college program where I started taking all my classes at the college. So there I got pretty much involved with like college kids my junior and senior year. So I was like in charge of their dance team. Um, I was going to their LGBTQ meetings and seeing like just different types of people like all over. Um, and then I started watching RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, on the low. Um, after that school, I ended up graduating early. I ended up going to school in Hollywood and that's pretty much where I stayed. I went to performing arts school in Hollywood and at that college got my BFA real quick. But during that time, I met my loving family today, Cornbread, Danny, Messina, all my friends. And they're the ones who like got me into like drag and be more comfortable and, you know, exerting myself. And so. And is this, this is your uh, Balmain house, right? No, this is my, this is my drag family. Um, I didn't get into voguing until I graduated from um, the school. And then um, I met Jamari and them and at reach la and i got into like vogue classes because i was always a dancer and doing like theater and stuff um so at the time i'm already doing drag now i'm doing voguing and now i'm like meeting both worlds and like oh my god like i'm finding myself and then it wasn't until um i mean like since i was younger i was playing wigs and everything so i always felt like i was very feminine and i had that inner woman in me and but it wasn't until like I was like 25 where I finally like took the steps upon myself to finally like transition. Congratulations. That's good. I'm, we're, Thank you. you know, we're really happy that you've actually found yourself and it's, it's a really hard thing to do. So it takes time too. So, yeah. And I, I kept it really low hush hush at first. Cause, um, I just know there's a difference between like, you know, the drag scene and, you know, living my life and, then going out there in the world, the world, and it was already like I had hard times already being a homosexual, but now that I've transitioned over, um, I know life brings me new challenges and new things. So, and a lot has happened in the past years where just not me being like trans and part of the LGBT community. Now I have to watch myself because I'm African American, and so it's just it's just a lot that. I take upon myself, but you know, I have a great support. A system. Lot. Yeah. That's a lot. a lot on your plate. Yeah. But I have a great support system and I'm a mentor to so many people and like a teacher and mother to so many people that I'm ready for it. And you know, yeah. like if I fall, I get right back up and I come harder. <laughs> that's how you that's do it. Right. That's how you do. And, and do you still uh, keep in contact with your biological family? Like, are you guys cool or is it just now? Um, yeah. When I first came, so when I first came out to my grandparents, it was kind of like a, they were kind of taken back by it just because um, they're very old school. My grandma's from the South. My grandpa's from the uh, West Coast. But um, they're like the traditional old school, you know. Mm-hmm. They don't really. Um, so me first telling them, like, me first coming out and saying, like, hey, you guys, I'm gay. They were like, huh? And then they were like, are you sure? Then they thought they made a mistake in life. They thought, like, they messed up. Me growing they up. Was a Did they ever try to, like, get the church involved? No. They pretty much now, like, we didn't talk for, like, a whole year or so. But now, like, we talk is not really something that we like bring up 
I don't really talk to my family like about my personal life, about things, just because I'm not gonna say like we'll get into an argument or nothing. But like it's just it's like you guys, you got you, your family sees it, but you don't speak upon it. It's like it's kind of like what we we as Mexicanos go through the same thing. Like like that phrase that Juan Gabriel says, you know, lo que se ve no se pregunta. You know, it's a saying that that we in the Latin uh, culture go by. Yeah, it, it's basically giving like. Veneno, the TV show, and like the African American yeah. version. Um, yeah. and like I have my little sister, my little sister, and my mom. Like I talked to my little sister, my mom, and my stepfather, and my aunt, and my cousins. Like they're accepting of me. Like they, they, they have my back and everything. Me transitioning over, I know something new for them. So like learning like the pronouns and being used to it because I, I get it. Like it's new. I, exactly, and I don't try to ever give anybody like I don't try to be hard at anybody especially like, I have some friends that I've been best friends with now and they still go by like he but they would call me like he or they'd be like oh like a boy or they, they just don't understand and I feel like in life I have to teach people but also sometimes I I'm too nice and I just let a lot of things slide and I just go like you know is it because is it because you know their heart you're like because there's yeah. sometimes there's slip up sometimes you know yeah like if i like if i know the person i know their intentions i know they don't mean harm uh, there's others out there that i know like are messy and petty to do it but i know like they're hard and like it's a learning process and it's not easy and like that's a lot of times why i like for the older generation of people who ask me things about myself i just don't go into explanation i just go everything's fine you know i'm doing all right like I don't think it's conversations they're ready to have, but I also feel like sometimes people are just set in their ways mm-hmm. that there's no trying to change it. I mean, if they're not trying hard to like try to change me, I'm not going to try to push hard to try to change them. It'll just give like, we see eye to eye. We don't see eye to eye, but as long as we're not hurting each other, we're fine. Yeah. And everything does take time. I mean, you, you're, you're transitioning and then they're trying to get used to the lingo and, you know, I mean, it, it takes time. It's a learning process. And with, with that time, it gets better and we get to understand each other more and more. And, you know, now they see that you're doing well, you're flourishing. You, you won the HBO Max's legendary, your house of all main did. And then you're also on Veneno. So, like, how did that come about? That was just like, whoa. Legendary was uh, two years in the making. It first started off as like a little, like, it was going to be like a small project. And then um, one network denied it. HBO took it upon itself. They got the green light. Basically, um, I went through an audition process where at the time I had got into a really bad car accident with my ex and I was put out commission like for like a whole like half a year and my um, like my ankle had got metal in it, metal poles and everything. So when that came about at the same time, I was trying to audition for RuPaul's Drag Race. And then Legendary reached out to me and they were like, you know, like we are looking at you and then RuPaul's Drag Race was kind of like, you know, you have the um, broken ankle, so there's not really, you know. Right. We don't, We it's a liability. And then Legendary was, Legendary was looking to it, but. Um, I like, we'll take that broken ankle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty much like, I'm going to go into like physical therapy. I was going to physical therapy and the doctor was like, um, it happened in February, 2019. 
um, they were like, you're not going to be able to walk until like late 2020. Baby, I taught myself how to walk within like the first three months. Damn. I literally got back to performing. I taught myself how to walk um, by accident. And because I slipped and fell, stepped on Charbonnet, and I was like, oh my God, I'm walking. From that point, um, the doctor was like, have you been like trying to walk on it? And I was like, I said no. But I was, I was, I was, <laughs> and then um, slowly but surely, I was putting on heel, like I was putting on my heels and stuff. And I was like, you know, I can't let this like stop me. Later down the line, I don't know what's gonna happen with my ankle prayers that it'll be everything okay. But as of right now, I was like, I gotta get up in action. And since so, Legendary um, had me go in there and audition, got an in, then I end up on a show with my house. Nice. Did you audition? Did you audition here in LA or in New York? I actually auditioned online. Like on okay. like we did a Zoom call. I sent in clips and tapes of myself. Um, they wanted to see me like dance and everything. So I, I was a high school teacher. I was at the school and my crutches like, baby, I'm doing this. Like, <laughs> do, 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 give it send yeah. clips. And they were like, We love you. Like, oh my God, you got so much energy. And then I got to yeah. the show and it was a whole life learning experience um there was days we were stressed out waking up so early in the morning going home so late days we weren't eating even like the second episode where we almost went home like that was like the really the drive where i was like at that point like my husband was like oh my god like nobody's stepping up to the plate um jamari was over it he was like let's just go because we had went through a whole traumatic experience that people don't even know through. Like we had a wardrobe malfunctions. We had hair malfunctions. Like just so many malfunctions. Everything. Everything always goes wrong during a performance or when, when you're ready to do it, you know, it just, it, it always happens. Yeah. And we were just like, at that point they were just ready to get up. And I was like, no, we're not giving up. I did not come all the way over here, give up opportunities. Like left my house and come leave the second episode. Like if you're not going to go up, I'm going to go up. Then Jamar was like, I got you guys. I'll go up. And, and we did all that. We went through the show. And then from there, we have to bring in every ball. Like, we literally have to sit there and, like, buckle down. And then when it came to the last episode, our performance, we sat there. We put together the performance. We were like, okay. I uh, We had came together and said, let's just go for it. Came out there, did our thing. Then we did the elements battles twice. Like, mm-hmm. people didn't get to see it. We did it twice because the girls wanted to be messy Damn. and only post one clip. But they're like, you guys have to get into both clips. We did the element battle. And then when the judge deliberated and said that we won, I was taken back by it at first. I was like, we won? And then I was like, oh, my God, like, we won. Like, we won the show. That's crazy. It really didn't hit me until, like, we got, like, the check in the mail and I was like oh my god we won well now we want for real (laughs) yeah because like at a ball like what most people don't understand about ballroom is that everybody expected certain houses to win because they had the most trophies stuff but like in a real ball you could be hot that day and then you could suck the next day yeah exactly You could be you could be um, top of the line the whole ballroom weekend and like the first five balls and the last ball of the year you like lose and people who aren't in the scene don't really understand that and even people in the scene like they should know like it's a reality TV show baby you know things happen like RuPaul's Drag Race there could be the girl who never won a single challenge and ends up the winner and it was just a 
it was just also being behind the um, behind the scenes and seeing everything in reality television. Like it's stressful. Yeah, I mean, we get a glimpse. We get a glimpse from it from Pose, and then you know they show the whole barroom scene, and then comes this uh, show, Legendary, which is one of the very first uh, uh, barroom shows to ever come through on a major platform and then you know you have major like judges on there that are watching you from the scene which is like Deshaun Wesley he's a major ballroom dancer uh Dominique Jackson who is part of Pose Meg the Stallion and then you have uh, Laomi like it's it was so much pressure on you guys like what was that feeling to work with them and then just just to get to know them and get critiques and you know uh, learn from them working with them working with them I like I loved it it was a it was unique experience but like a lot of times, like, with editing, you miss out on a lot of comments that were made. Our houses got red, like, down. Like, it was crazy. Like, so much went on. Like, there was fights on stage of people, like, going back and forth. But, like, when you don't, when people don't understand things and, like, like our Bizarre episode. Bizarre and Ballroom never really has, like, performance in it. Bizarre is just, like, a, a walk fashion-y category. Us having to do Bizarre and then, like, incorporate, like, fashion. It's just different things that people looking in, people like, oh my God, like, that wasn't, um, that wasn't what the category called for. But, like, we had to figure out with the judges who don't know ballroom versus judges who do know ballroom to make it authentic to ballroom, but also, like, entertaining for television. And that's why a lot of times, like, the battles that people saw, it was kind of like, oh, shit, like, so-and-so, um, should have won, but, but you have to, um, but you have to admit, like, some people vote, like, ballroom. Some people vote for television. And you have to find, you have to find, like, that middle ground to figure out what's going on. Because if you've never been to a ball and you're on a judges panel and you just see, like, so-and-so flipping back and forth, no shade. Maybe if that's what's, like, the most exciting thing right there, I'm going to vote for that. For someone who's, like, giving you the elements yeah. and stuff. Because people don't understand all the elements. Yeah. Usually when people look at people look at Bogan, they just see like, oh, um, they're gonna spin and then they're gonna do the dip. And then yeah, like, oh the flashy stuff. <laughs> exactly. Like yeah. people nowadays, like ever since after the show, I've been like teaching classes and stuff. How so many people come to me and be like, I wanna learn how to vogue and I or like I vogue, like a lot of dancers I vogue and it gets very much like stiff hands and then they do like their little dip and then they'll be like yeah I do my death drop and I'm like well it's called a dip so first I know you don't vogue second of all <laughs> these hands like so which one is officially a death drop or is death drop not really a thing a death drop is a, like this majorette move where like you like throw both legs back on the ground and you like lay out uh, a okay. dip is the term for ballroom it's been the term for ballroom since like the 70s since ballroom like yeah. was like getting out, like, mainstream underground. So when you meet somebody who says, yeah, I'm in the ballroom, they say, like, I might death drop and everything, they're not in the ballroom. Like, a lot of, yeah. uh, perfect example, everybody watches, a lot of people watch RuPaul's Drag Race, and they see the girls go in there and go, shablam, or my death drop, and then everybody starts doing that, and they're like, yeah, I vogue. And it's like, no, you don't. <laughs> is, is, shablam, is shablam in reference to the dip, or is shablam different from the dip? Um, Shablam is like the action, like Shablam, Shablam, like it's like the action upon it. The dip is the actual thing, but you yeah. never do the death drop. So the dip is the verb and the Shablam is the adjective. Look at me, exactly. Vogue 101. <laughs> <laughs>
She's getting it, girl. Thank your coins. <laughs> uh, I have a quick question, though. Like, when you guys, like, auditioned, was it as a house or individuals? And because uh, how does that how does that happen? Like, all of y'all had to make it in? So, basically, Jamari and them filmed the first sizzle two and a half years ago. And um, I wasn't a part of that. Jamari basically took like a team of like five people. They did the sizzle, and then they sent to the networks. The networks go, oh okay, like yeah, no. Um, from there, HBO and the production reached out to me personally, and it was like, we want you in your house of Balmain. Like, let's make it happen. So then Jamari had to go in and make, um, you know, decisions on. Who could do what? Like you, because we have to have a, a team that was um, ballroom all around. Like you can't yeah. just be good at Vogue. You have to be face, runway, you know? So he had to go in and do that. And then um, since we didn't know what the challenges were, we just had to pick a universal team. Then we do a background check. A lot of people don't pass background checks. Like then you have to go in and have alternates. Like we have alternate stuff ready on deck if like somebody dropped out or anything. It, it was a um, crazy experience. Or you could be like a house and you have multiple people from different houses and you guys make your own house. That's cute. So it's kind of like a little sub house, like a subsection. Yeah, but they'll, they'll treat it as a main house. So you have like like how St. Laurent had like St. Laurent on there, Balenciaga and everything. And it's crazy. It's crazy because you start to lose authenticity of ballroom when you do that. Yeah. Because mind you, you might know these people, but they're not your house members. Like they did it just for the TV show, but in real life, they don't mix like that. Exactly. What's another misconception um, regarding the ballroom scene and voguing that mainstream media constantly doesn't get right? Like we've all watched Post, we've all watched Paris is Burning, and now HBO Legendary. What is something that just we we still keep getting wrong besides the dip and the death drop? Like, is there a stereotype that just you're like, that ain't it. Like, that's not how it is. I see Pose and I'm like, dang, it's really catty. Like, it's really like you're going to get cut, you know? And then I'll, I'll, I'll tell somebody and they're like, no, it's really nice. Like, it's really friendly. And I'm like, on TV, it looks like that, you know? Basically, um, how to put it was Ballroom was a place for people of color to go for safety, since they couldn't be out in the clubs with, like, you know, the cisgendered heterosexuals, um, right. they had to go underground and they did their own things. The ballroom scene came about with drag queens and trans women. They were the first people who started the ballroom scene because they were first, like, pageants for them to be like Miss Universe, Miss America, that, you know, they can't go outside and like the... Another outlet for them to, to, you know, to be themselves. Exactly. So then, you know, we start getting these categories and people start experimenting. And like, you see a little, you see that journey on Pose. Like, we start adding new categories, like realness category. Realness category is basically, if you see a homosexual male um, walk this category, they're trying to convey to you that every day, they can pass in cisgendered heterosexual society. Yeah. Same thing with um, a trans woman. You want, like, when you see them, you want to believe they can pass in normal society. So this is like a category where it's kind of it's kind of messy because uh, you shouldn't have nobody on panel should tell you you're not real or real or not real. Right. Exactly. But but it's also like a learning experience. Like 
you don't want to be a clocky, a clocky girl going out there and, you know, people being like, oh my God, it's not a man. Like, if people got a question if you're a man or not, realness category is probably not for you in ballroom. And yeah. it's not, you know, ballroom people are really nice, actually. They're very accepting. Like, we have our times in, like, the panels and judges where they'll fight or they'll say certain things, but honestly, it's only, I feel, is only to make you stronger. Anytime somebody's telling me, like, oh, you've been chopped or something, I just take that as, okay, I come back harder next time. I come back better yeah. next time. Maybe my, my effect wasn't up to par. It's oh. like a lot, of, a lot of members of the ballroom scene, they, they have tough skin. You know, I met, I met a couple of them, and I'm like, okay, you could tell that you've been, you've been there. And uh, especially getting chopped or getting all these reads, like, uh, you know, it's for fun. Sometimes you do get your feelings hurt. There's this one that I went to at uh, Club Cobra. They used to host, like, a voguing night. Yeah. Yeah, and it was so much fun. I missed that. But let's talk a little bit about uh, Veneno, because then all of a sudden Veneno <laughs> happened, and, like, that's more like voice acting for you, right? Yeah. Oh, just one more thing. For also for ballroom, um, I want people to know that if they ever decide to come into ballroom, they should go experience it because ballroom is a open place for everybody. We have ballroom everywhere. We have it in Brazil, Paris. We have it. Um, we have people of all genders, all races, and it's very welcoming because that's another stereotype that people feel like. Oh, you know, ballroom's only for like African American people, or like I want to erase that like stereotype and that you know, like it's an invitation for everybody to come out and experience, just so people aren't like deterred away, like oh my god, I can't go or do this. No, that's awesome. I mean, I mean, I've even seen some white girls uh, do some ballroom stuff. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> and, and they turn it. As far as loving and all. So I was home one day and uh, my management reached out to me and said, hey, there's this new show and um, I'm coming to HBO that they need a, a voice actor for. And it's about this um, young trans woman and their life. And so I was like, oh, OK, like, um, sure, let's see what it is. And they're like, it's in Brazil, um, but they need to translate it um, back to English. And I was like, OK. So when I first got the script, they were still trying to get the green light for it, so it was just um, in the making. So I did my audition, and I did my audition for um, Fallen the author of the book. Yeah, that okay. was the, that was the first person that um, I had audition for. So I okay. was um, gonna be voicing her, and then I did my audition. They were like, "Oh, we loved it." I didn't hear nothing back from them for like ever. Like I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like uh, this is gonna. Uh, I, I guess you kind of had like you kind of had moved on from that. Yeah, and then um, they go, okay, you know what? Um, we got the green light, and we need a, uh, we still need voice actors because I guess they already cast the part. So they were like, we want to bring you in as the character Fanny. And um, they were like, can you be, like, sassy and everything? I was like, sure. And I was like, you know, uh -huh. let me take it upon myself. So going into, um, this is my first time doing voice acting. So going into the set um, during COVID, I thought I was going to be reading with like some people like sitting there reading. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't. I did a brought into a studio and literally I got all my lines there. I didn't know none of my lines or nothing till I got there. We had an hour sessions, like hour to do our sessions and basically everything is in Spanish. They translated to English right there. I then watched a short scene in Spanish to see like her body language, her body language. language and how she did it. And then I sat there and made the voice for this character Fanny. Um, 
I, I honestly, I was super, super nervous at first because, like, since it was from Brazil and I was like, oh, I'm African-American, they're about to read the fuck out of me. And I was like, I think, and crazy thing is, I don't, like, I won't say that I hate my voice, but, like, there's things about my voice that I just like sometimes because I feel like... I we all like, do. We all hate our own voices. It's Look so at me. Weird. I complain about mine all the time. <laughs> I mean, you guys' voices work for you. I just felt like my voice sounded very masculine and I was like oh my god like they're about to be like who is this person and so um it, wasn't that part of the point though like because of the roles and the storyline or no to be honest with you I don't know I've never asked them like I just be like oh, okay well um hopefully you guys like this she was like oh my god you're doing amazing and I was just like I hope she I think she just told me I'm doing amazing so like we would go back and um, do scene different the different scene and then I did some more character voices for the show um, just like some smaller roles and stuff and so it was literally like after a while when I have to do two characters, they would already have a voice of the um, other character recorded. So then I would just like reacting off them. But since I don't have no body language or nothing on the person in front of me, it's very much me like, what? Oh, giving you all like the little <laughs> dramatics. But yeah, it was a, it was a super fun experience, but um, I've been very like close with the voice at the community. So hopefully they use me for more work. And I was like, I can see myself, you know, voicing out other characters once I get my voice together. <laughs> I could even hear like, because, um, you know, like Cartoon Network and stuff, they, they use a lot of voice actors for the cartoons and their superheroes and stuff. And it would be cool to see like a trans character in a cartoon or something. It came out to be one of the top rated shows on HBO Max as well. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing. It made a major impact within our community, you know, and it's now going down in history. And, you know, speaking about history, I mean, we're celebrating Black History Month and recognizing our Black siblings. And, you know, uh, you're you're one of the ones that we wanted to bring on and just pay homage to and say thank you for, you know, paving ways and, and making contributions to the community because it's not that easy and it's really hard, you know, and there's there's a lot of pressure. But look at how much history we have now and the fact that, you know, like uh, I mentioned them in the beginning, we had um, Marsha P. Johnson, Bayard Rustin, the list goes on and on. And we're starting to recognize them now and bring them into the picture. So how important is it to you? Like, how do you feel about Black History Month? So Black History Month to me is pretty amazing how far, like, the African-American community has come, especially since, like, the past, just um, past years and everything that's been going on. And, you know, we start to see, like, the inside of the world and we forget. I, I feel like a lot of times people forget, like, the struggles of, all cultures or things that we've gone through and like i feel like last year with covid really was a wake-up call to everybody to be like you know like everybody needs to take a step back and be appreciative for the things they have and things they do um like how you were saying about making history i felt like i've done a lot of stuff and i've i've made like history but then there's also the times where i feel like I haven't done nothing at all and i feel like i'm getting super old and i feel like there's a lot of stuff I want to accomplish before I'm 30, which is like two years. Two years. That is not old. I thought you were like 24. She's not like before I'm 30. And I'm like, wait a minute, girl, please. You got way more ahead of you. No, no, no. But like, there's a lot. I, I like, I, I manifest a lot of stuff. And there's, a, there's stuff that I want before I'm 30, which is like two and a half years. But and like, I'm like, I gotta like get it down. Like, and just seeing 
I don't know. Just but just looking back at it, just looking back on life and with, with Black History Month and everything that's gone down, there's a lot of things that like I've crossed off my list. Like there was stuff that I wanted to do, but based off of people's um, views and the way like things are perceived, I have to take a different route. Yeah, and adventure and exploration of life. You talked about the Black Lives Matter movement and you know how it's shifting and changing and recently last year we had to include the all Black Lives Matter movement because of our trans siblings. Like what do you want to see more come out of that movement with this year that we have in 2021? I honestly just want like you know equal playing ground for everybody. Like I want everybody to be able to go outside and go on play on the um, playground at the same time. Yeah, but absolutely. I know, and especially like now that I've stepped over into the T of the LGBT, um, it's kind of like, like there's a, there's a, there's a way of how I view things. I feel like the LGBT with the Q at the end, um, <laughs> Is all um, is all just lined up as like it's like a setup. Like I feel like like lesbian is like tolerable, gay. You know who you are. Bias confused, and I feel like the T for transgendered. We're at the bottom. Like I I always feel like trans women have always been at the bottom, mm. and I now I feel like black trans women are at the bottom. So like it's now like two tiers that I have to climb to the top of trying to, you know, get out there. And then it's also like a dangerous road because not only are we being attacked from different races, but now we're being attacked by our own race. And like, it's like people don't understand. I know like it's not for everybody. It's not everybody's life, but most of the time growing up African-American is already hard because we already have like a stereotype of how we're supposed to be like black man is supposed to do this, black woman is supposed to do this. Yeah. And then, like the perceptions and um, of other races look on us like, you know, like, oh my God, a black man walking down the street with like his pants sagging on a do-rag. He's probably a dangerous gang member, you know, black girl with like weaving her hair. Then it goes deeper into now you have a gay black man. So at first it wasn't just like, oh, they're black now they're gay and black and then it goes back to like the parents like i feel like a lot of a lot of the judgments and stuff from my grandparents or like people older generations um they don't understand homosexuality like a lot i feel like a lot of people just feel like you know you being gay you guys are gonna have sex and then you're gonna get aids yeah people don't know about prep or like you know pep and like undetectable people don't know about these things and uh, people aren't teaching like since people aren't teaching this stuff or like informing people and people are stuck yeah. in their ways they're probably not going to listen anyway they just think like two men having sex AIDS you're going to die yeah. and so being African American you already go outside and you be like okay you got to act a certain way you got to do this and that because we don't want you to get like shot by the police we don't want you to like get like you know like put in jail but also now you're gay and you have a sex with another male I'm just going to think that you're going to get AIDS and die so now it's like sitting there and then you go even deeper to say okay you're gay you're black and you're trans and you know like people is, yeah <laughs> you just keep adding the layers you're like and you do, and you do drag and you're in a house yeah you know? i mean so society keeps putting labels and labels and stereotypes on us you know and it doesn't help but what does help is that the fact that we have these conversations and we talk about it and like you said earlier about having the t at the end almost to the end of the lgbtq you know our alphabet mafia 
it kind of hurts, you know, like to, to hear that, you know, like I'm glad that we're able to have this conversation. I'm glad that we're able to uplift our, our siblings voices and get knowledge from each other and learn from each other. Cause at the end of the day, it's about uplifting and holding each other accountable and making sure that we're all protected and that we're all secure and that we're all taken care of. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, like who do you, admire who's your biggest influence you know who who do you want to recognize in your life it could be one two or three people or more just make it minimum of five <laughs> oh, okay well um my grandparents uh i would have to honor them because growing up they were very loving and caring and respectful to the sense of you treat people the way you want to be treated and you're respectful to other people like even though like growing up and even me being in the closet, like I had gay friends and my grandparents were never like, don't hang out with them because, you know, they're going to go to hell or nothing. They were never like that. They were just very much, you know, as long as you're safe and, um, you know, you're not doing anything. So I would have to say them. Um, Janelle Monet, um, she's a person I look up to because she's very like for herself. Like she speaks out. She speaks up for the things that she wants and the things that she needs. And who else? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a list of people, but... Is there, is there somebody in the trans community? In the trans community? Oh, my God. I love I love Dominique because how unapologetically apologetic she is. She's just... Right. She, just she does her. Like, what you guys saw on Legendary is like her. She's gone through a lot. Like, I've heard her story. Um, I've seen, like, different things about her her ballroom journey. And she's very much like, I'm here. And I'm going to uh, change it. Um, my gay mother, uh, my gay mother and father, Jamari and Carlisha, um, they've been a very big help. Like, Jamari's um, been a great mentor. Like, and he's not just a mentor and a person that goes, like, oh, you should do that. Like, he, Jamari would honestly tell you, like, don't do that. And me, I'll go, I'm going to do it anyway. It's like that. It's like that constant back and forth because he tells us stuff like a certain of his kids. He, he knows he can tell us stuff that is going to spark us to do it anyway and get it done to prove him wrong. And I like that. And then my mother, Carlisha, um, she's new to our house of Balmain. But like meeting her, she's always just been like this happy go flow energy. She's always very accepting. She's non-judgmental. Like I can literally talk to her about anything and she'll like, sit there and like listen yeah and last but not least this is gonna be short i had to think like my uh my my children my drag children and like the kids i mentor because they're a great support system like like with my roommate danny my best friend like huh. they all have all been that great support system they've been with me and they keep me on my edge like if i'm not having a good day they check on me when i'm like you know going through something they're always there to have my back so then most importantly Oh, yes. I felt like I was an Academy Award show. Like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, okay, so last question um, before we wrap up. Um, what is next for you? Because, like, you have this career and you ca- that kind of went different ways because I know you have a education and background with, with your BFA and then you know, doing drag, then doing ballroom, and then now, like, on TV and the media. Do you think, like, you're going to still try out for Drag Race? Like, do you want that to be in your future in your playing cards still or no um as far as drag race goes i i mean if i get on the show i would love to get on the show 
I gotta see their um, look on trans women um, because they I know they had their first trans man, and that was a big controversy. I'm I'm very all for it, but I'm still it's still not like yeah like a trans woman competing. And they have trans contestants in the past that are um, you know. Uh, but they started off as drags and then they came back, but they're still part of the RuPaul's Drag Race like umbrella, even right. if they transition. So I want somebody who's like, you know, they're trans, like since they first started performing and now they're on the show to come out there and then, you know, different look. But if not, I. Um, maybe that could be you. Maybe. I, I, I just feel something in my heart tells me that there's something bigger and greater for me than drag race. Um, like I have some goals, like I want to get some stuff done like this year. Main thing is I'm thinking about going back to school because I've been like mentoring a lot of trans women and like young LGBTU. I think I want to go back to school and be a therapist. Nice. Cause I like, I like listening to people and helping people out and like everything. You're so helpful and so welcoming. And I think I, I, I kind of want to look into being a therapist or a psychologist so I can help you know, the youth out, because I feel like there's not many people that could out there that could talk to just openly who will listen and won't judge them, and you know, and give them honest feedback. I feel people give people yeah. feedback so thing, but I'm very much for, like, like girls who approach me, they be like, oh, I do sets work, and, like, people are going to judge me, but like, I'm not going to judge you that you do sets work. I'm not going to tell you that doing sets work is bad, and I'm not going to tell you that it's doing it good. I'm just going to tell you that these are some, you know, precautions you should take. Um, there's here goes some other routes I referred in the job. I get like connected, but at the end of the day, I also I want to be the change, but I also don't want to force change on the people. I want that right. to come naturally because if it comes naturally, things feel a lot easier than me trying to be like you need to do this because I feel that's a, that's a, that what tears our community apart. A lot of people tell people you need to do this or this and that is wrong, and you downplay it. But the same things that you downplay are the same thing that you like indulge in. Yeah. So you can't indulge in something that you say is wrong. And then it's just, it's like, that's like a whole other conversation. Right. Uh, well, maybe next, next time we have Calypso back as one of our, our uh, counselors, mental counselors. I mean, this episode is um, brought to you by our homies at betterhelp.com backslash homo homie. You can use that, that uh, little code that we have for you guys and check it out. I mean, they offer services for mental health um, care, you know, it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling, you know, and we want to thank you Calypso for joining us and for taking the time again out of your day to come back and finally, finally record an episode with us and get it up there. I know. I'm so happy. Yeah. And we're really happy for you. And we are proud of the, the progress that you've made since that time that we had uh, that sit down discussion, because I don't know if you remember, but you had put out goals and you said you wanted to be on television. You wanted to do this and you wanted to do that. And look at you did it. You put it out there and it, the universe brought it back to you full time. So wow. we're so happy for you. Um, real quick before we go, uh, what is your social media? Where can people find you? Websites? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Calypso Jete, C-A-L-Y-P-S-O-J-E-T-E, or on Instagram um, at Calypso Jete. And, you know, that's for um, 
my Instagram is kind of funky right now, but I will be updating everything because <laughs> I have some, some things coming up for you guys. Sweet. Nice. Well, we can't wait. And let us know about those updates so I can put them on the description when we do it on our episode description. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Calissa. We love you, babe. And you're welcome back anytime. And just let us know when you want to bring a homegirl on or your house on. So, Of course. Let me know. Anytime you want to let me know. Just let me know. I'm always available. I'll make time for you anytime. Oh, thank All you. Right. Love you, baby. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. Well, you're listening to the Homo Homie Podcast. We'll be right back. <laughs> okay, and we are back from the break. And um, I'm going to have Jose introduce our next guest. Yes. Kendra, we finally have you on. In the words of Wendy, how you doing? How you doing? Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> well, thank you for jumping on with us and uh, joining us. Um, before we start, uh, do you have any particular pronouns that you go by? Um, honestly, you could call me he, she, cactus. As long as you fucking respect me, I'm good to go. Okay, put respect on that name. Period. <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody told you that your voice sounds like someone else? Like, like they remind you of somebody? Just no, curious. I fucking hate my voice, to be honest. It took me forever to get used to hearing it after I was on season two. Wow. We were just talking to um, Calypso about her being a voice actor for HBO's uh, La Veneno uh, series. And she said that she hated her voice, too. But we're like, you have a nice voice. You do, it's, too. It, thank you. You kind of remind me, your voice reminds me of, like, Monet Exchange, Monet Exchange, Bob the Drag Queen. I don't know. Maybe I was watching their videos today and it kind of sounds like very similar. I can do that. I love Monet and I love Bob. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll take the compliment. They're both winners, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, they are. Actually, they're both winners. Why did um, fucking win? <laughs> we'll get into that in a little bit. So first off, uh, we had like a mutual connection, right? We had Santana, our boy, on season one. Yeah. And uh, I know you guys are close. So uh, tell us a little bit about that, about that relationship between y'all. Um, well, I met Santana going to one of my home bars, the Menagerie. I was performing Kylie Minogue, looking like an angelic goddess. And then he walked in, and he loves Kylie Minogue. So we started talking from there. And then I moved to Alaska for work, and then I moved back. And I was like, oh, shit, I need a room. I don't have nowhere to stay. And then um, he actually reached out to me and was like, oh, I have a room for you to rent. And then the rest is history, pretty much. We became friends, sisters, brothers, best friends. De todo, wow. de todo. <laughs> y todo. Hey, what were you doing up in Alaska? I was working. I worked for a five-star resort. I worked for Princess Cruise Line. So I was there wow. making that coin once again, get that head, get that bread. And um, I came back. It was, I, I left at a time in my life where I felt like I had no control. So in order for me to gain control, I moved away. And it was like when I came back, I pushed a reset button on my life, to be honest. So what have you been up to lately? Because I know we're going to talk about, you know, you were on Dragula. And I do want to talk to Twice. you a little bit. You were on Dragula twice, my bad. And we were uh, we want to talk to you about Black History Month as well because that's the topic for this episode. Mm -hmm. But um, what have you been up to lately as far as work goes, as far as gigs go? Honestly, there's, like, really no gigs to be had right now live. But um, I do some, um, like, internet things. That's pretty much what the creams are reduced to right now. But instead of, like, me standing in front of a background, I've decided to make, like, kind of, like, 
a music video of sorts. And one of my best friends, David, um, you can follow him on my Instagram. He's tagged on all my stuff. He does all my photo shoots, all my um, videos and everything. So, you know, we've been trying to do it. Nice. Wait, internet thing, you talking about OnlyFans? Um, the girl, they're not ready for my OnlyFans. Okay. Kendra, Kendra yeah. After Dark. <laughs> I heard um, from watching one of your, your uh, IG stories uh, or um, feed posts that you like have a limit to taking jobs like two years max and that's it on to the next it, it's not a limit my jobs usually quit me at two years <laughs> i had one job for five years at the psychiatric hospital and they quit me too but i mean it is what it is i'm like a leaf wherever the wind blows me that's where i go hey i like a go blow <laughs> hey. so t- tell us tell us a little bit about your backstory of growing up and you know, now that you're making a name for yourself, tell us a little bit about like who is Kendra, the the little Kendra, family life, being growing up being black and queer, and then how how you came into you know owning yourself like that. Um, I've all my parents. I've always had a two parent home. My parents have been together for 37 years. I'm the two year wedding anniversary child, and I always make sure I let my older sister and my younger brother know that I was conceived in love. I was not an accident. So, um, (laughs) like, literally two years to the day, my parents' anniversary is October 21st, and my birthday is July 21st. So I've always had a very loving and supportive family, and I have a very, very strong Christian background. My dad is an ordained minister. My mom is a um, missionary in the church, head of the usher board. So I grew up in the church, you know? My parents, you know, to help them ease the pain. I was always artsy, never gay, always artsy. So um, once I came out because I was in the play and then we, you know, you take pictures backstage. I was hugging one of the guys and we were like mid dressing. It was not sexual at all, but my mom saw it in my laptop and it was like a big thing for her. But my dad just took me aside and he was like, so is it true? I was like, yeah, it is. And he was cool about it. So it's my mom that has a problem with it, not my dad. Interesting. Oh, that is interesting. It's usually the other way around, right? Like- exactly. You know, doing this podcast as we as we, we've been doing it for a while now, like um, I'm, I'm starting to recognize like more and more that a lot of the moms are starting to like just be the ones that are kind of taken by the fact that their children are you know gay in the LGBT community and they can't handle it, and then the dads are kind of nonchalant about it. Yeah, my mom is slowly coming around to it because, like, I had to put her in perspective. I was like, girl, like, you're not going to be at my wedding, period. Like, I'm not going to have no hatred at my wedding. That's not going to happen. It's my day. And then um, she really, like, realized that she's being, like, you know, for lack of a better term, a bitch about it when I got burned, like, really severely and my friends came to visit me in the hospital and I had them wait until my parents left to come in. And my mom was like, why are you having your friends wait? I'm all because you're rude to them. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Is, how's your relationship now with your mom? Oh, we're good. We kiki. I just talked to her the other day. So, I mean, my, we're, my family has always been supportive. It's just, we just don't talk about, they didn't want to talk about that thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The big gay elephant in the room. Yeah. And you mentioned that you were uh, severely burned and, and, and you had that that incident, I guess. Um, uh-huh. How has that affected the way that you see, like the way you carry yourself? And like, because I know that Santana has all these body empowerment uh, movements that he does, these campaigns and photo shoots, and you support him, right? Tell us a little bit about how you're involved with those projects and how like 
the burning incident and like just how that all connects together. Yeah, I was in um, a severe burn accident. I was performing. I blow fire as an act. I've done it for five years, so I don't want anybody to think, oh, she was just trying to be cute and trying to be edgy, trying to do something <laughs> cute. No, accidents fucking happen. And being a fire breather, fire spinner, it's not when you get burned. I mean, it's not if you get burned, it's when you get burned. Yeah. So I got burned. And um, I have, like, scars on my face. So, you know, I just learned how, like, to embrace my scars embrace my body i'm jello i jiggle i mean it didn't stop none of the dick throughout the quarantine period okay she got hers she got it in whenever she can <laughs> as long, look as long as they leave the mask on the dick could be out coronavirus don't come out of a urethra okay hey how does <laughs> um how do you do fire burning aren't, aren't you ever like i know you said you got burned but like isn't there like a bigger factor where um the the flame could just take advantage of that whole the whole um fluid that you're spitting out and like go into your throat that's what it did my vocal cords were singed i couldn't talk for um almost a month damn yeah like when the smoke goes down like when fire goes down it creates smoke obviously and the smoke can like explode your lungs in theory so like my vocal cords were um singed so they were swollen so they were trying to intubate me which is when they put a tube down your throat Mm -hmm. but i was like "Mm -mm, no ma'am unless you have to put something down my throat you could put it but if you don't i don't need it down there please damn talk about heartburn shit you got enough practice okay It went down with Sword ease. Swallower. <laughs> <laughs> and so you live with Santana and you guys, how long have you guys been uh, roommates for? Um, actually, I just recently moved out. But, oh, um, I, I, me and Santana lived with each other for a year. Oh, nice. okay. And did you learn anything um, off each other? Like, you know, with, within the community, like learning about each other's cultures, him being Latinx, you being black? Well, um, I've always been around, Latin, I mean, I grew up in Pomona. So, I mean, oh, hey, Latin America is hard to escape. You know what I mean? I speak fucking Spanish, for God's sakes. Like, I'm not fluent, but I know some shit, okay? So, I mean, we learn stuff from each other more emotionally than culturally. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, And um, he also introduced me to the whole body empowerment. I mean, I've been rocking body empowerment my whole life. I love myself. I love my skin. I love my fat ass. I love my jiggly stomach. You know what I mean? So um, he introduced me to it on a broader scale. Yeah, it's like, oh, there's labels to it and there's there's campaigns to it and stuff. And you're yeah. like, I've been all about my body. I did body, the body, summer body. campaign. It was so fun. Like, we did it at a pool. I jumped in the pool in full drag. It was fun. I'm hearing a lot about body and then the burn and all this. Um, We know that mental health is like a big issue, especially Mm -hmm. when our bodies are constantly judged, whether it's in the media or on dating sites, hookup sites, Grindr, you know, out in WeHo, even out there in Pomona. So um, our episode actually is made possible by our homies at betterhelp.com backslash homo homie. It's an easy online platform for seeking therapy and counseling. So we have to ask you, how has the combination of like your Dragula fame, plus everything that happened last year in 2020 with Black Lives Matter and the pandemic with COVID, how how has that taken a toll on your mental health? It it did take a toll on me. Like it was just one day, I was just so overwhelmed with the whole Black Lives Matter movement and just being hated for being black. You know what I mean? Like being able just to be shot just because I was born black. So I was super overwhelmed. I was at work. I was like, oh my God, I need to go to my office. I'm about to cry. And I just called my mom and I just opened my mouth and just started crying. And she just literally like talked me off the ledge. Like, I mean, I wasn't going to commit suicide or anything, yeah. but I was just like so overwhelmed. I couldn't even form a fucking thought. 
and she just knew just to calm me down, just to talk, just to pray. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it's a lot. It was a lot. I even went to one of the um, protests and it was, it's a, it's very emotional for me being a black gay man in white America. It's fucking hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy. And that's what we're, that's what we're here to talk about, you know, and just learning from each other's experiences and, and diving deeper into these conversations and putting them out there so that way people could learn, you know, it's about uplifting and bringing unity finally and peace mm-hmm. and stop, yeah. stop the race wars. Well, uh, that was another thing. It was so refreshing when I did the black lives matter protest. It was like, I was there with my Latino brothers and sisters. I was there with my, my Asian brothers and sisters. Even some white people were there. It was just like all the races marching for a good cause, not just because it's black. It's a good cause. Cops need to stop fucking killing us. Black, white, Asian, they need to stop. And after experiencing this, and we agree with you, what is something that you would like to see more of within the movement? Because I know that, remember last year, they were going to have the uh, Black Lives Matter march, and then they changed it to like all Black Lives Matter uh, for our trans siblings. What is something that you would like to see a change within this movement? Not just Black Lives Matter, but just for social justice. I just want, for me personally, I just don't feel we need labels. We don't need to say all Black Lives Matter. It's just Black Lives Matter, period. Man, woman, transsexual, they, them, those. It doesn't matter. You fall under the umbrella. So I feel like the labels need to be just kicked out, in my opinion. No, I was going to say the labels. I mean, we talk about pronouns and we talk about uh, LGBTQIA+, and all these letters um, why do you feel that way about 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 these labels? Uh, because sometimes the labels are needed just to bring attention, to bring awareness, you know? So I don't know if, if na- renaming it All Black Lives Matter for the march, was that not a smart idea is what you're saying? Or, or how do you feel about that? Well, I'm just speaking for myself. And for me, right. when I think Black Lives Matter, that includes my trans sisters. That includes my trans brothers. That includes the female standing next to me. You know what I right. mean? Yeah. I'm just saying for me, I don't think as labeling everything. Like even when they changed, decided to change their pride flag, I was like, damn, I thought I was already included in that shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? I I feel you. I was like, wait, but we got used to something for so long. And then we just, now it's, now they add some stuff, but we're, we're trying to adjust, you know, it's, it's that, that, that form of comfort that we have with uh, things, you know? And growing up with it and getting used to it. So society is just, it's just crazy when, when they flip it on us. I've just yeah. always had a really open mind to things and I've always been raised to be very respectful towards people. So uh-huh. if you want me to call you fucking Linda, I'm going to call you Linda out of respect for you. You know what I mean? If you want to be called Linda. a fucking candle, I'm going to call you a candle. That's what you want to be called. So just call people what they want to fucking be called. It's too easy. Yeah. And uh, I know you were raised this way. Oh, who is somebody now in your life now as, as like a grown ass woman that, that inspires you, that motivates you, that keeps you going? Like, do you have any role models out there? I, my parents are my biggest role models. Like my parents, they didn't come. They came from like pretty much nothing. You know what I mean? I mean, they weren't dirt poor, but like they didn't have a lot. My mom has two master's degrees. She has been on the corporate level of management. She's now retired. She is a real estate agent. My dad is an ordained minister. He is a house inspector. My parents are my inspiration in life. That's awesome. Like they go on dates together. They still in, they're still in love. They kiss. They hold hands. They bowl That's together. Beautiful. They're in a bowling league. A bowling league. Like I want the type of love that my parents have. I look up to my parents. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> did, did they watch your uh, watch you on Dragula? 
fuck no. They don't even no? know what I do. No, they still do not know. Oh, well, they're drag. so supportive, but they haven't seen you on Dracula yet. Oh, shit. They don't know that you do drag, period? They don't oh, at all. Oh, okay. How do you keep that a secret from them? I mean, at this point, it's really not a secret. It's just not like, you know, oh, mom, guess what? I do drag. I mean... And my, cause even when I came out of the closet, well, forced out of the closet, I never felt the need as a gay person to come out of the closet. Only because if I was straight, I wouldn't have to sit my parents down and have a conversation like, oh my gosh, parents, I'm straight. So for me, being gay is normal. So I shouldn't have to sit down and come out of the closet. You know what I mean? Right. And for me, drag is art. I wouldn't have to sit my parents down and be like, okay, so I paint or I juggle or I do gymnastics. So why should I have to sit my parents down and say, oh, I do drag? Yeah, that's true. true. That's that's one form of looking at it because everybody has a different way of looking at things and coming out. So Yeah. You see a lot of these drag queens on um, on these reality shows and, you know, they'll show like the parents giving them a shout out or something like that. And there's that's always a, a big storyline, especially like on Drag Race. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, you know, it's so nice to have my parents as my biggest cheerleaders. And it's usually, you know, not to like sound like divisive but it's usually like the white queens who are like oh yeah my mom helps me sew my drag like my clothing and i'm like dang and then you have the black the black girl who is like i, I haven't even told my parents girl. you know so just that's confidence is crazy would you ever consider going on drag race by the way um i have considered going on drag race but as of right now i feel drag race is just not for me right now you mm-hmm. know what i mean dragula is more my aesthetic um I like to be bloody, glamorous, horror. That's what I like to do. And I am an edgy girl. I can have on a full-length gown, a mermaid gown, fully coiffed hair, and still look edgy next to somebody that's trying to wear a harness and all that because that's a costume to them. I am edgy. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're like you're like like the, the out of the norm, out of the box type of drag, which is great, you know, because that's that's a, a new aesthetic that's coming into the scene now, and I'm I'm starting mm-hmm. to watch it more and more because of Dragula as well. And you know, you said that you were on for both seasons, right? Yeah, I was on season two, which is on Netflix now, y'all. So watch it. And I was also on Resurrection, which was kind of like a. Um, a Halloween special that they did, and that's on Shutter. Watch that shit too. So, what have you learned from being on there? And like, I know you want to continue probably doing it. Like, are you going to be there trying to audition for the All Stars uh, if they have it? Um, the Boulay Brothers have said that they were going to do an All Stars, and I would love to be on it. I, I love expressing my art to other people because people see myself and them, and it just strengthens other people. You know what I mean? Like being the little black gay lispy boy. And you can still achieve shit in life. Oh, yeah. What did you, because you were eliminated. I remember watching your, your episode. I was eliminated uh, third. Don't rub it in, bitch. <laughs> don't put, no, don't put like, salt on the wound. What did you, what did you learn from, from that experience? Because, like, sometimes girls be getting chopped, like, super fast. And I'm like, dang, because, you know, they be investing money. And, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, obviously there's, a, there's an element of embarrassment if you're sent home first or whatever. But yeah. so what, what did you learn from that? What did you take away from that? Um, I just took away from Dragula season two is to stay true to myself, stay true to my drag, because I had a lot of what ifs, like, should I do this? Like second guessing myself. And that was my downfall ultimately in Dragula. 
and that bitch Victoria. Was period. was there ever a moment that surprised you from doing Dragula with a fan that you know that reached out to you and you know it made you feel something and that you were on the right path? Um. Well, I have I I have two separate experiences. So season two, when I did season two and I went home third, I came back in the reunion and I got those bitches together. Well, you know I got those white bitches together. Let me just say what they are: <laughs> they white and they bitches. Period. I mean, as of now, we're all, you know, we all kumbaya, we're all sisters. But at that point, I fucking hated them. And that's just the truth. And I sat across from them and I was being attacked by two people. And I just defended myself. Like, at the end of the day, it's not my fault that a Pomeranian and Chihuahua wants to talk to a Rottweiler. I'm going to eat your ass up, period, (laughs) point blank. And I got so much hate off of that. Like, I was the loudmouth black bitch. I was a loudmouth nigger. I was the pageant girl with white contacts. I should have went home a long time ago. I should kill myself and let Victoria go. I'm like, girl, if you watch the footage, I'm sitting there cute and pretty with my double Ds on the table, and they came for me. I'm sorry that you don't know how to defend yourself because you rehearsed what you were going to say, and I didn't. It comes off the top of my head. I was born in Inglewood, bitch. What's good? <laughs> Inglewood. Bring it out. Bring um, it out. <laughs> but so wait, juxtaposition on resurrection, I got a lot of positive feedback. So it was uh-huh. just it was just so weird. Like people, they thanked me for sharing my story. They actually right. congratulated me on being on the show. They loved me, all this stuff. It was very, very humbling to hear that side of it and not just all fucking hate, you know? Yeah, it's funny yeah. how how reality um, shows tend to cut out some of the things that we don't even see at times, and we Girl. just go 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 on and believing what they put out there when they really don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And I've been in that situation before, so it's crazy. And then you have like the freaking Facebook thugs, the thug warriors that just feel like just because they see you on TV that Kendra Onyx is a character. You know what I mean? They don't realize that Kendra Onyx is also Kenneth Hampton and Kenneth Hampton is a person. Yeah. So like they don't understand, realize what they're saying to this person. And you can have a thousand positive comments. And then that one fucking negative one is the one that'll stick out. Yeah. How many black queens have been on Dragula? Um, uh, there's been Meatball, Foxy, me, Maxi, and Saint. So there's been five. It's, but it's very minimum, right? Would you say it's like one or two per season? Um, yes. I mean, at the end of the day, I would hate for the for the Boule brothers to cast girls based on affirmative action. I want mm-hmm. them to cast girls that are at the top of their game that are going to put forth some fucking competition. You know what I mean? Based on talent. Yeah. Exactly. And if there's not enough black girls that season that's up to talent, sorry. If there's not enough Asian girls that's up to talent, sorry. If there's not enough Latino girls that's up to talent, sorry. And if there's not enough white bitches that are up to talent, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say, though, like, because I see, like, your aesthetic on Instagram and, and social media, it's more I don't like- be seeing them likes, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I see, I see all your, like, gore- you know, horror and, you know, like, do you feel like maybe there's a lack, not, not of, of, of black people in that scene, but like, is there, is there a disconnection there? It, Cause you know how like sometimes they're like, Oh, that's a white people thing. No, there is a lack of representation. Like, cos- like cosplay, like, like even cosplay, like you barely see like, you know, people of color in cosplay. Uh, I mean, the horror genre is dominated by white people. Let's just call right. it what it is. Cut and dry. Um, it's it's starting to be a little bit more diverse, but I mean, you can only work with what the fuck you got. You know what I mean? 
You can't just yeah. make all these black people be in horror into horror. You can't make all these Latino people just be into horror. You just can't. You're yeah. into what you're into. And it just so happens that a lot of black queens don't do what I do. Yeah. Mm. And that and that's true. And that's right. And you know, speaking about black queens, and it is February and we're talking about Black History Month, like um we're not only recognizing those in the black community like Martin Luther King and their contributions because they're very important, but we're all, we're also recognizing the contributions that our LGBTQ plus black activists have have done for us for history. So how important is this month to you being black, being queer? At the end of the day, February for me is technically, quote unquote, Black History Month, but Black History does not stop in February for me. Black History is 365, 366 if it's a leap year. I'm Black all day, 24-7, seven days a week. How many hours in a day? However, I don't know. But I'm <laughs> 24 hours black, in a day. I mean? <laughs> so period. That's just what it is. It's not just a month for me. Yeah. And for all those aspiring little um, kids out there that that are just wanting to like that watch you and that emulate you, like, do you have any words of wisdom for them? Just keep doing what you're doing. Don't let anybody put you down. Don't let anybody tell you to stop. Because if I listen to the local queens in my community, I wouldn't be sitting here today talking to you. I wouldn't be on Dragula. I wouldn't be on Dragula Resurrection. I wouldn't have a voice right now if I listened to other people instead of myself. Right. So just, just stay true to yourself. Because can't nobody do you like you can. Okay. Shit. <laughs> you can say that again. <laughs> Period. Oh, my God. Jose, do you have any look, more questions? Look, she's about to cry and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, touch my heart. Um, no, I just want to know, like, what's next for you? Because I know um, we talked about Drag Race not being the thing. I know that you would you would. I wouldn't say it's not the regular. thing. It's not the thing for me right now. Right now. Um and Dragula, of course, you would go back. That's your fam. But is there anything else you want to do with your career as far as a performer? Um, as of right now, I want, I would love to go on tour, like, around the United States and Europe and just mm -hmm. everywhere that I can touch everyone. You know what I mean? I can't wait to get back in the bars to touch people, to suck a dick in a bathroom stall. Shit. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know how you feel about that. <laughs> Glory holes. I miss those. <laughs> I'm, I miss being a hoochie. <laughs> a hoochie, Baba. Wait, so you're not being a hoochie during COVID? I mean, I have regulars, but I want to suck some strange. Some mm. strange. You better be careful out there. <laughs> I'm always careful. First and foremost, uh, don't get it twisted. Oh, get it, Safe girl. sex is the best sex. Oh, <laughs> and, um... Well, where can we find you on social media? Do you have any plugins or do you have a um, website? On Facebook and on um, Instagram, my handle is Kendra Onyx. On Facebook, it's Kendra Onyx with two X's because for some reason they don't let you put a series of three letters, which is so fucking stupid. And on um, Instagram, it's Kendra Onyx with three X's. O-N-I-Triple-X. Hey. Uh, and on OnlyFans, no, I'm just playing. Yes, no, plug it in if you haven't. Plug it in. Shoot, you need, everybody's. If I, trust, if I had one, you would know. <laughs> <laughs> hey girl, you don't I even be so mortified just me busted open and then my parents could see that. I would fucking die. You know what's funny? Every, everybody keeps talking about like OnlyFans. It's it's used as a sex thing. But if you're smart, you will use it for something else to your advantage because originally it was created for content creators like um gyms, uh gym buffs, uh cooking uh, people uh within mm -hmm. the culinary arts. Like you can make like your own one-woman show, you know? 
Hmm. Everyone's going on there for some dick or for some clit. So. <laughs> Just like Twitter, bitch. That's why. I mean, I need yeah. to. I need to make one soon. Oh, Twitter after dark or Black Twitter? It's crazy up in there. It, it, Twitter right now reminds me of Vine. I don't know how old you guys are, but do you guys remember Vine? Yes, I'm 37, uh, so I know what's up, girl. Shoot, I had MySpace back in the day. Okay, like Vine and then Tumblr. That's exactly what Twitter is right now. Tumblr is the new Tumblr because of yes. the porn. Yeah, if you go, if you go to my Twitter account, I'm such a like a a thought you would say because I yeah I'm a sucia. I follow a lot of uh, dirty accounts like triple X accounts, but they're all good. They're all so good. good. I can't help it. But then my whole thing is like these people are missing out on their coin. They send it. They put in all these previews and shit, so you could just bust to the previews and then you don't have to buy the OnlyFans. What you do is titillate. Titillate one second previews. <laughs> exactly, it. exactly. It's a, a little boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I'm serious. You got to titillate. Make me want to buy your OnlyFans. Oh my God. Well, Kendra, thank you so much for joining us. We honestly appreciate the fact that you took time out of your out of your busy schedule to you know co- jump on here with us and have this uh, conversation and discussion and talk about you and and talk about Black History Month. And um, we just wanted to bring unity to our community. So. Thank you so much for having me. And I definitely believe in bringing unity to our community. If like the blacks and browns, we would just unite and stop killing each other. Then we could just overthrow all these white motherfuckers. Okay. And stop pushing people. (laughs) Stop pushing old people on the street, please. Oh my God. I'm over this. Girl, I'm done. I'm over it. I have had it officially. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you. you. Like all seriousness. Thank you guys. Once again, you guys are like putting a voice out into our community. Like, let's just unite this shit okay that's how we do and we'll see we'll see you in the front row on the the all-stars of uh dragula okay crying crying and shit you know i cry a lot okay with that big old crown (laughs) when they crown you girl shoot and the blood falls right on you (laughs) and then i'm naked all of a sudden (laughs) and then she starts her only fans hey (laughs) (laughs) all right bye thank you you. so much bye So we had an amazing conversation with Calypso Jete Balmain and Kendra Onyx. Gorgeous. Um, And honestly, I thoroughly enjoyed what they had to say because, you know, although we are, you're not black, you know, um, I can't relate to them and I, I, I don't know their struggle, but I can be empathetic and I can help be there as support and uplift them in, in these times that we're going through and just educating myself along the way, you know, doing my part. They both have uh, really um, interesting stories, you know, that have shaped them into who they are. You know, how Calypso was talking about how she was raised by her grandparents and she mentioned the church mm-hmm. and then also mm-hmm. Kendra mentioned the church too. I mean, I know that that church culture is huge with, you know, among black people. So I could just imagine, I mean, I was also raised Pentecostal. So just uh, me being gay and then me working in entertainment is like the total opposite of being Pentecostal. Uh, and my, my, my mother still is, um, but I know that religion can have this big impact in your life. And even if it's not in you, if you were raised in the church, that that follows you and haunts you for the rest of your life. Yeah, it does. It especially 
puts a toll on your mental health. You know, Calypso was saying she's all like she ha- tries to balance, uh, you know, being black and then also trying to balance her c- coming out and transitioning and then trying to balance with her her grandparents. Like it's a struggle. It's not easy. Yeah. And then Kendra mentioned that, you know, she said she wasn't going to jump off and commit suicide, but she did bring it up, you know, and there's thoughts there that are scary, you know, and I could just, you know, there's so much youth out there that are looking up to these girls looking up to Calypso, looking up to Kendra, watching Dragula, watching Legendary, Veneno, Drag Race. And the struggle is real. And 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 our youth is very vulnerable. And But even as, a, as adults, we still need help every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and so... They're, yeah, no, that you're right. And, and they're vulnerable and they're gullible. And, you know, they take a lot of information in and it's a lot to, it's a lot to process. And that's why I'm really glad that this episode is partnered with um, BetterHelp.com. They have counselors at hand for you, you know, on in the palm of your hand. So check them out. Uh, use our promo code BetterHelp.com backslash homohomie. And there you'll find everything that you need. And it's private. It's secure. And, you know, you don't have to share it with anybody else but you and your counselor. Well, girl. Happy birthday. What are you going <laughs> to do? You. Well, I had to cancel my quince because of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just me and some tamales at home, you know, chilling. Well, you know, the bar down the street opened back up. So maybe we should go have a couple of drinks after. I don't know. COVID is still real out there, but you might convince me. <laughs> okay. Well, now that we have the vaccine, we're ready to go. all right guys well thank you so much um i just wanted to shout out again calypso jete balmain and kendra onyx gorgeous and thank you girls for coming on and joining us and being a part of our episode and sharing black history month with us and educating us and also thank you jose for helping me out with this episode and uh you know always being a part of the show (laughs) duh and thank you to betterhelp.com as well and thank you the listener for always listening and tuning in and sharing our joy with us. And please don't forget to, yes. sh- to show love on the social media at the homo homie podcast, or you can go to our website, the homo We have everything that you need and to help support with contributions <laughs> to keep us afloat. Yes, please. So please try to share this episode with some of your favorite black queens because you know maybe they look they look up to calypso and kendra so we challenge you all to please share this episode with let's say five of your closest black queen friends all right guys as always remember to be good or be good at it but be safe we love you bye bye (laughs) 